Well, God bless you, my beloved. Good morning. This is Minister S.N. Crockett, Jr. with Jesus Christ, our Lord, Christian Fellowship. We're, we come to you this morning with the second installment of our weekly message, The Truth of the Gospel. The Truth of the Gospel. We're continuing our message that we started Friday evening, Danger, Warning, Extreme Danger Ahead. Submitting our will to the will of the Holy Spirit. Warning, Extreme Danger Ahead. Submitting our will to the will of the Holy Spirit. We must submit to the will of the Holy Spirit. We must submit to the will of God. When Jesus died at the cross, before he died at the cross, he promised he would send the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to comfort us. And he did. Whenever Jesus promises something, he fulfills that promise. So he sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And believers have been uh, filled with the Holy Spirit ever since. So, important point, you have to be a believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Unbelievers are not filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to be a believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead and guide. I read from Matthew 14. I read from Matthew 14 the other night. Tonight, I'm sorry, did I say Matthew? I meant John. I read from John 14 the other night. Friday night, and now I'm going to read from John uh, 15 and 16 today. So John 14, this is the let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me chapter, at the beginning of the chapter. And then the Lord says in, in John 14, if you love me, keep my commandments, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Notice how the Lord Jesus said another comforter, meaning I'm going to send you somebody to carry on what I started. Now, Jesus' work was finished at the cross. We get that. He said it is finished, his redemptive work. And then, of course, he rose from the dead on that third day. And he bodily rose from the dead. But the work of the church was just beginning on the day of Pentecost. And the church needs a comforter, a lead, someone to lead us and guide us. I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, it's very important that the Lord called the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. Now, why is that important? Because there's a lot of error in the land. There's error, and the error uh, begins with Satan. Satan is the father of every lie. And so error is, if you read the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 24, running through verse 30, and then picking up, I believe, at verse 34, something like that, and then running through like verse 46, because in verses 34 through 46, or 36 through 44, whatever it is, he explains the terrible parable. In the parable, the, the, good, the, the good man sows the seed. The good man is the Lord. The seed is the word of God. But then malignant forces come behind and sow tares. And in the parable, the good man says an enemy has done this. So whenever the Lord sows good, the enemy comes behind and sows tares. Tares would be false teachings, false religion, anything to undermine God's program. So Jesus in the, in the parable of the wheat and the tares, which is a very important parable. Of course, they're all important. But in the parable of the wheat and the tares, the Lord Jesus says that 
uh, he, he, he allows this to happen. And then at the end of the age, he will send his reapers, the angels. And, and he says to the angels, gather up all the tares into bundles so that they may be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. But the wheat would be those who believe in Jesus, whether the church or the nation of Israel in, in as they come out of their unbelief, the remnant, as they come out of their unbelief, the wheat would be those who are, who are, who are faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ. The tares would be those who are not, but who may give the appearance of being faithful to Jesus or may be in another religion that is opposed to Jesus. The spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is the spirit of uh, trying to offer a, an alternative to Christ or is, is diametrically opposed, is against Christ, therefore the word Antichrist. So, the Lord Jesus said, um, I will pray the Father, he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth. And that's why I keep making the point um, in almost all of my uh, messages. Uh, be careful about telling people or allowing people to tell you to walk in your truth. Don't walk in your truth. Your truth is what sent Jesus to the cross. Your truth is based on a lie. Walk in the truth of the gospel. This is what Paul said in Galatians 2 and 5. This is where we get the name of our program, the truth of the gospel. Don't walk in your truth. You, you don't have a truth that's worthy of being considered. Walk in the truth of the gospel. The truth that sent Jesus to the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that we could walk in that truth. Jesus rose from the dead so that we could walk in that truth. Warning. Extreme danger ahead, lies, deception, uh, satanic deception, etc. And, 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 and if you don't walk in the truth of the gospel, then your then your eternal destiny is um, is gonna um, is it what is at stake. I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Comforter that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth. Listen to this: Whom the world cannot receive, the world cannot receive the Spirit of Truth, for it neither sees Him nor knows him, but you know him. Notice he, Jesus didn't say, but you see him. <laughs> Jesus said, but you know him. For he dwells with you, oh, and eventually he shall be in you. Glory to the Lamb of God. That, that filling with the Holy Spirit began at the day of Pentecost. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Did you hear that? I will come to you. How will I come to you in the presence of the Holy Spirit, which began at Pentecost? Amen. So that was the that was the John fourteen passage, and then I read to you from John fourteen twenty six. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, so he 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 leaves no doubt who the Comforter is. So there doesn't have to be hundreds of years of theological speculation and argument over who the Comforter is. But the Comforter who is the Holy Ghost. It's not a person, it's not a religious system, it's not a denomination, it's not a pope, it's not a prelate, it's not a pontiff, it's not a bishop, it's not a pastor, it's not a deacon, it's not a member, it's not a mother, it's not a missionary, it's not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. The Comforter is the Holy Spirit. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, People say there is no Holy Trinity. Well, there's the Holy Trinity right there. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. The Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. There's your Trinity right there. But the Comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. 
as Jesus taught when he walked the earth for, pro for approximately three years. The comforter now will teach. It is the job of the comforter, the Holy Spirit, to teach us, to teach us the truth so that we can stop walking in our truth, which is error, and walk in the truth of the gospel. So that we can stop walking in our truth, which is error, and walk in the truth of the gospel. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. The reason we have a New Testament, the reason we have a New Testament is because the Holy Spirit fulfilled this promise. Jesus fulfilled this promise through the Holy Spirit. He brought to the apostles and disciples remembrance everything that they needed to know to write the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Paul, Peter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, Peter, James. And if you believe that Paul wrote Hebrews, which I believe he did, there's some uh, question as to whether he wrote Hebrews or not, but I believe Paul wrote it, but I can't prove it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark was not an apostle, but he was a companion of Peter. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So much of what Peter, much of what Mark wrote is a reflection of what came down from Peter. And what Peter got came from the Holy Spirit. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, James, if I'm not mistaken, that should be all the books of the New Testament. Jude, forgive me, Jude. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, James, Jude. That should be all the New Testament right there. John wrote the fourth gospel that bears his name. He wrote the three epistles that bear his name. And he wrote, he wrote the Revelation, the Apocalypse. Paul wrote about 13, 14 books, if, if you believe he wrote the book of Hebrews, which I believe he did. Peter wrote the two epistles that bear his name. Mark's gospel is said to be a reflection of his, um, uh, his correspondence, if you will, his, his association with Peter. Jude wrote that brief but powerful epistle that comes right before the revelation, right before the apocalypse. James wrote the epistle that bears his name. Matthew wrote the first gospel. Mark, I say, wrote the second gospel. Luke, the physician, the only Gentile author in the Bible. The only Gentile author in the Bible is Luke. Luke, the physician, wrote the gospel that bears his name. And he wrote the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. So there, there's your New Testament right there. And they wrote, they were inspired. They're, I'm so tired of people attacking. It's been happening for thousands of years, so it's nothing new. But I'm really tired, especially of African Americans who are attacking the veracity of God's word. African Americans attacking the veracity of God's word, saying the white man wrote the Bible. The white man doesn't have the intelligence to write the Bible. No man has the intelligence to write this book. How could, how could a man predict something that happened hundreds and even thousands of years later? Or how could a man write something that uh, still hasn't happened but will? No man has that intelligence. Men wrote the Bible. Men who wrote the Bible were inspired by the Holy Spirit. But yet these same Africans or African Americans who claim to love God, then they'll turn around and attack the veracity of the Bible. They don't know that they're, they're, they're committing blasphemy. They're attacking the veracity of God's word. They are, 
Paul called them the enemies of their enemies of the cross. And I'm asking you to not listen to these people who claim that they, they have the key to, you know, um, the black presence in the Bible. And, and, they, and it's just a bunch of cultic hooey, horse hockey. That's the strongest term I can use. It's just a bunch of foolishness. It's satanic deception. Warning, extreme danger ahead. Submitting our will to the, to the will of the Lord. You cannot submit your will to the will of the Lord and then at the same time turn around and attack his word. Oh, well, King James, th th this is not, there's no gospel according to King James. King James was a vessel that the Lord used. Just like he's, he used Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh, and other kings, whether the, whether the kings were good or not. We, I don't know anything about King James' personal life. I personally don't care. It takes me 24-7 to keep my personal life straight. Well, King James was a... Is that, is, is that your best line of attack? Attacking King James? It's the King James version of the Bible because he commissioned individuals to translate it. It, it into the Elizabethan English, which we need to thank God that that happened. Because then you, if, if it weren't for the English translations of the Bible, and that wasn't the first English translation, but if, if the Bible had not been translated into English, then how would we read it if we didn't know Latin or Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic? Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. You can only have peace with God through his son Jesus Christ if you don't know God through Jesus you don't have peace with God uh, it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status if you don't know Jesus God through his son Jesus Christ Jesus said no man come to the father except by me Jesus said peace I leave with you my peace I give unto you he's about to go to the cross when he said this and he's talking about peace he's about to be brutally executed lynched if you will by the Romans peace I leave with you my peace I give unto you not as the world gives give I unto you let not your heart be troubled neither let it be afraid that's the John 14 passage now we go to the John 15 passage that I want to read to you but there's a passage in there about the ministry of the Holy Spirit let's see I don't have my two those two Bibles set up for it so let me read to you that was the King James Version I just read from. I'm going to read to you now from the New American Standard Bible. I'm going to read from John chapter 15. John chapter 15. I will defend the gospel. I will defend God's word. I will defend the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, enough of this foolishness. These people talking all this weird cult craziness about uh, the Bible and the black man the black man needs to bow at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ if you bow at the feet of anyone else you're, else you're doomed for eternity now go ahead and keep playing with all this black religious cultic foolishness you're doomed for eternity you must bow at the feet of Jesus you're not bowing at the feet of the white man you're bowing at the feet of God Almighty who sent his dear son Jesus to die at Calvary's cruel cross for our sins no matter who you are this whole foolishness, this, this cultic, foolish black is Hebrew Israelite, TMH. It's a bunch of cultic, demonic, satanic foolishness. And you can tell them I said so. They know where to find me. 
It's a bunch of foolishness. It's a lie. It's a satanic lie. Yeah, they, they, they give a lot of good they give a lot of good history. I, I'm, I'm not denying that. But they don't honor God through his dear son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And because of that, they're a cult. You can tell them I said so. John chapter 15. He's starting at uh, verse 26, I do believe it is. When the helper comes, here he's talking about the Holy Spirit again. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. Jesus said, I will send the helper from the Father. Jesus is the baptizer. Remember John the Baptist said that. John the Baptist said, the Father told him upon whom he sees the Holy Spirit descending and remaining, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Ghost. John said, and I have seen, and I bear witness, this is the Son of God. Glory to God. Remember, Jesus didn't baptize with water. He, he let his disciples baptize with water. You can read it, it's in John chapter 4. Jesus didn't baptize with water. He let his disciples do that. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Glory to the Lamb of God. Jesus never entered into the most holy place in the, in the earthly Jewish temple. He never, he never went in there. Well, he couldn't because he, was, he wasn't a, a Jewish high priest. Of the, he wasn't a Levitical high priest. So he couldn't have anyway. But he, but he wouldn't have wanted to because his priesthood is of a heavenly order. He, the Bible says he entered into heaven itself, into the, the heavenly tabernacle. The earthly tabernacle was based on the heavenly tabernacle. The Bible says Jesus has entered into the most holy place in heaven to appear in God's presence on our behalf. Glory to the Lamb of God. Glory to the Lamb. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. There he is again. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. That is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will testify about me. So any testimony that detracts from the glory of Jesus Christ is not of God. You can tell him I said so. I, I, don't, I, I, I had a stuttering problem when I was a child and I still stutter, but I ain't stuttering right now. You can tell him I said so. Any teaching, any preaching that detracts from the majesty, the glory, the transcendent glory of our Lord Jesus Christ is of the devil. Now, other preachers or whatever, they might be too timid to say that because they don't want to lose members. I don't have any members to lose. Glory to the Lamb of God. I ain't got to worry about the offering plate. I'm free to preach the gospel. I ain't got to worry about the offering plate. If I say something about gay marriage or abortion or whatever, I ain't got to worry about offerings being down 30%. Thank you, Jesus. I ain't got to worry about it. I'm free to tell it like it T.I. is. Glory to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Any teaching that detracts from the glory, the majesty, the transcending glory. Of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is of the devil. It's the devil. It's a trick of the enemy. Jesus said right here, the Holy Spirit will testify about me. 
Hallelujah. The Bible says in one of my favorite passages in Revelation 19 and 10, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Glory to God. The testimony of Jesus, whether it's from Jesus or about Jesus, whether Jesus is the subject or the object, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Glory to the Lamb. Look, look what he said. John John 15, 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father. <laughs> that is the spirit of truth. Now you, are you walking your truth, baby? No, don't you walk in your truth. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. They tried to walk in their truth. And you see what happened by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sinned. You see that? Because they were walking in their truth, which was a satanic lie. The serpent deceived Eve and Adam standing right there. Yes, dear, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what plunged mankind into the, into the abyss of sin. And only the shed blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary's cruel cross, hallelujah, could reverse that curse, hallelujah, to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I feel like preaching this morning. Glory to Jesus. Glory to the Lamb of God. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Watch Now watch what he says after that. Oh, and you will testify also. Oh, you're going to testify about me also. Because the Holy Spirit is going to energize you. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide you to testify about me. You will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. He's talking about his, I'm sure he's talking about his apostles here. But in order to be an apostle, you had to meet certain qualifications. You had to be with Jesus from the beginning of the ministry. And you had to be a witness of, of his bodily resurrection. Oh, you, you're going to also testify because you've been with me from the beginning. Glory to the Lamb of God. The only one who, who did not meet that qualification, but the Lord called him, was Paul. That's why Paul said, I was born out of due time. You see that? Oh, you're going to also testify about me. Now, here's the question. Are we fulfilling that same ministry of testifying about Jesus? Are we testifying about Jesus through the operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit that we may bear fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to your good, acceptable, and perfect will. Lord, fill us with the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us, please, with the Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us. You've given us the Holy Spirit, Lord, but fill us every day, every moment. Help us to submit to your will. That, that the Holy Spirit may have maximum uh, operation in our lives. Lord, fill us. Lord, fill us, please. Lord, you see what we're dealing with here on earth. Lord, you left us here, but you said you would not leave us comfortless. Fill us, Lord, please. We don't command it. We don't demand it. We petition you, Lord. Fill us, please, with the Holy Spirit, that we may fight the good fight 
of faith that we may uh, do your good acceptable and perfect will we can't do it on human terms we can't do it with our own intellect we can't do it because some denomination has given us the come uh, the the um, the uh, commission to do it we can only do it Lord by the Holy Spirit please Lord you said you would not leave us comfortless and you have not you, you cannot lie you have given us the Holy Spirit now help us Lord to have the good sense to submit our will Lord for our will is rebellious Lord our heart is is desperately wicked is deceitful break us break us Break us, break us, break us, break us, break us. Rompenos, Lord. Break us. Break us, Lord. So that we can be useful to you. Vessels of, of usefulness. Vessels of honor and glory. Vessels of honor and glory, not, a vessel, not vessels of dishonor and shame. Break us, Lord. Break us of whatever, whatever sin and sinful tendencies, sinful proclivities, that have uh, control in our lives. Break us, Lord. Break us. Like the potter breaks the, the, the clay, the vessel of clay, and remolds it. Break us, Lord. You are the potter, Lord. We are the clay. Lord, break us. Because we've got difficult days ahead, Lord. And we've got to have discernment so that we can walk not in our truth, Lord, but so that we can walk in your truth. For you are the way. You are the truth. And Lord, you are the life. And we thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Now I'm going to read two passages to you. And then, Lord willing, this Friday I'll go into the John 16. I did John 14 on Friday night. I did John 14 and 15 today. Both, both referring to the Holy Spirit and his ministry. Friday, Lord willing... Um, which will be what today is February 2nd so that means Friday was the 31st so that means February 7th would be Friday Lord willing then I'll do John 16 and then we'll take it from there but today I want to do two other passages one from Timothy one from 1st Timothy and one from the Apocalypse the book of the Revelation Let's, let's, let's look at both of those, and we'll see again how it ties into what we're talking about. Warning, extreme danger ahead. We must submit our will. We must, we must, we must, we must, we must. We must submit our will. So you could be a Christian, but if you don't submit your will to the Lord, that's, that's what you are. You're, you're a carnal, what some people call like Perry Stone, Evangelist Perry Stone. He calls them nominal, nominal Christians. You don't want to be a nominal Christian. You want to be nominated by Jesus. Yes, I approve of him or I approve of her. You don't want to be a nominal Christian. A nominal Christian is, yeah, they've confessed Jesus, but there's no change in their lifestyle. There's no, there's no sanctification taking place. Yeah, they've confessed Jesus. They gave their hand to the reverend at the altar and they've gotten baptized in the water. But they're not allowing the Holy Spirit to have free reign in their lives. That's a nominal Christian. You don't want to be a nominal. Do you want to be a nominal basketball player? Was Kobe Bryant a nominal basketball player? No. No, he had that mamba mentality. That's what the black mamba is all about. The mamba is a snake, a venomous viper. 
Kobe was an assassin. That, that's where the Mamba mentality came from. So you don't want to be in. Would you pay $50 to go watch a nominal basketball player? Is the Super Bowl called the Super Bowl because the two worst teams in the NFL are playing this evening? No. Is the Super Bowl, is it going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Cleveland Browns against the, um, I don't want to say Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> you get my point. The Super Bowl is the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. That's why it's called Super Bowl. That's why commercials are $10 million a minute. Super Bowl. It could have been Baltimore Ravens in San Francisco 49ers. That would have been a Super Bowl. It could have been Green Bay Packers in Baltimore Ravens, whatever. You're going to have your best teams there. Well, if we want to see the best teams in football and basketball and baseball and hockey and soccer and golf, etc., you wouldn't pay to see me play golf, but you pay to see Tiger Woods play golf. You see that? Well, transfer that logic to the spiritual world. You don't want to be a nominal Christian. I don't want to be a nominal Christian. I want to be nominated. I want Jesus to say he's going to walk with me in white, for he's worthy, as he said to some people in one of the churches in the Revelation. Let's go to um, 1 Timothy chapter 4. But the Spirit explicitly, now the Spirit, this, see this is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Here the Holy Spirit is prophesying. But the Spirit explicitly says that in the later times, some will fall away from the faith, from the truth of the gospel. Paying attention to deceitful spirits, demonic, satanic teachings, satanic spirits. We're in, we're, we're, we're in an age now of apostasy where people don't want to hear the truth of the gospel. They'd rather listen to the lie. Paying attention to deceitful spirits, listen to this, and doctrines of demons, not just doctrines of wayward men, doctrines from hell, doctrines of demons. Not, not doctrines from apostles, doctrines from apostates. <laughs> Glory to the Lamb of God. This is serious business. You can sit in church and look at, your, look at your iPhone while the preacher is preaching if you want to. This is serious business. Doctrines of demons. Listen to this. By means of the hypocrisy of liars. Seared in their own conscience. There are some people who are so opposed to the truth. Their conscience has been seared. The old King James Bible says their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. It would be like if I took a hot iron and ran it over your hand, you would flinch and scream at first. But if we could hold you down and keep running that hot iron over your hand, eventually you wouldn't feel the pain anymore because the nerve endings would be dead. Now in the beginning now, it's, it's going to be painful. If you've ever been burned as I have, I remember I put my hand... Growing up up north, we would open our stoves during the winter to let, let the heat out into the house. I grew up in Buffalo, New York. I don't think I have to say a whole lot more about that. And I remember putting the palm of my hand on the oven door once. Oh, God, why did I do that? Whew. I had a bad second, close to third degree burn on the palm of my, this hand right here. You see that? Oh, I can feel it. Even just thinking about it right now makes me shiver. 
But if you could run that iron over the person's hand or leg or whatever until the nerve endings are dead, they wouldn't even feel it anymore. And that's what Paul is saying right here. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron. That's how opposed to the truth they are. If you read the book of Revelation, when God is casting judgments on the earth, there are people, even though judgments are being cast upon the earth, there are people still shaking their fists at God. Not in repentance, but in anger and rebellion against God because their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. They've, 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 they've crossed that point of no return. By means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience, as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from, abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. I know a former co-worker called me recently or texted me that she, she left the job, went to work somewhere else. She said she got some chitlins for me. <laughs> I'm going to get those chitlins. What the Bible says right here is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. How do, I'm going to eat those chitlins now. If, if, you, if you bougie Negroes don't want to eat chitlins anymore, fine. I'm going to eat me some chitlins. God has, it says, it says, um, as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. You hear that? Those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified, including my chitlins, <laughs> it is sanctified by beings of the word of God and prayer. But the main point is the beginning of that chapter. The Spirit explicitly says, this is the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is God. So God knows the beginning and the end and everything in the middle. That's why he's called the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. I don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes from now. We're going to look at a house last Sunday. We're going to look at a house and we're sitting in the car in the subdivision waiting for the um, builder to show up to show us some houses. And my daughter says, what, Kobe Bryant is dead? And I'm, I'm sitting in the front at the driver, in the driver's seat. And I said, huh? You see what I'm saying? We don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen 10 minutes from now. Jesus could return today. I don't know. But God knows because he has all knowledge. That's why he's God. Uppercase G-O-D, right? But the Spirit explicitly says, this is the Holy Spirit prophesying through Paul that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And these doctrines have crept into the Christian church. Seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, people in the Christian church denying the resurrection of Jesus, denying that he died on the cross, denying the importance of holiness, of sanctification, denying the cardinal doctrines of the Bible. Uh, uh, denominations now splitting over gay marriage, etc. You got half the denomination wanting to accept gays as clergy. Seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, by means of the hypocrisy of liars, see it in their own conscience as with a hot iron. Let me let me read that to you. That is the um, that's the NI note. That's the New American Standard Version. Let me read that same passage to you from the New, from the New King James. 
the New King. I'm going to read it to you from the New King James. Then I'm going to read it to you from the your grandmama's King James, the old King James. Okay? The New King James Version. I'll tell you what. Let me read it from the old King James. I think that makes sense. Let me read it to you from the first King James, the old King James. Grandmama's King James Version, the 1611 Version. Then I'll read it from the New King James Version. It doesn't have all the thee, thou. If thou wouldest, thou couldest. First, I'm going to read to from the King James, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Listen to this. Now the Spirit speaketh, so I'm going to use the King James, right? The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. Look at Carlton Pearson. Look what happened with Carlton Pearson. That would, be in a, that would be one of the best examples of what Paul is talking about right here. Carlton Pearson now preaches that everybody is saved no matter what, even atheists. How can an atheist, atheist doesn't even believe in God. At least Islam, at least they believe in one God. Atheist doesn't even believe in God. He, he preaches universalism, Unitarianism. That's a seducing spirit. He's been seduced by a seducing spirit. Doctrine of demons. What's the point of Jesus dying on the cross if everybody is saved? Everybody can be saved, but you have to trust in what Jesus did on the cross. I had to trust what Jesus did on the cross to be saved. But the universalism, Unitarianism that Carlton Pearson embraced, which is really, he's, he's really embraced New Age. Because if you listen to him talk and you listen to Oprah Winfrey talk, it's almost like they're sitting at a table talking to each other. It's New Age, Universalism, Unitarianism. It's just Eastern mysticism and philosophy mixed in with a bunch of philosophy and pseudo-psychology with a couple of Christian terms. Seducing spirits, doctrines of demons. King James. King James, King James. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to. So, it, so when I talk to you about submitting our will to the will of the Lord, did you hear that? Giving heed to. You're, even though I'm a Christian, my, I still have a will. I can give heed to something that's outside the will of God. I'm a Christian, but I still have a will. And if my will says I won't obey God, I'm going to be in trouble. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines, teachings. See, the, the devil has a church. You've got doctrine just like the Christian church. The problem is the Christian church doesn't think doctrine is important anymore. In, not in all Christian churches. But in many Christian churches, doctrine is not even important anymore. How can doctrine, well, if, if doctrine is not important, then, then what are we preaching? You really only got two ways to preach, pretty much, doctrinal and practical. And you should have a mixture of both. But you can't have all practical and not, not no doctrine. Or all doctrine and no practical. James is the most practical book, with the exception maybe of Philemon, in the New Testament. James doesn't go into any deep doctrines on the resurrection and the second coming of Jesus. He does spend some time talking about faith. So he does get off into that. You know, if you say you have faith and you have no works, etc. But the church seems to be uh, the enemy of, uh, seems that, especially in African-American churches, where is the doctrine? And it's even coming in the Baptist churches. And I've, I've often said, the Baptist church, in my opinion, is the most doctrinally sound church. 
of the New Testament churches. Say what you will about the Baptist church. The Baptist church is a doctrinally sound church. Their doctrines are sound. But even Baptist churches now. You know we're in trouble when Baptist churches start forsaking doctrine. We're in trouble. We're forsaking it for emotionalism and, and, and formulas. Name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it. Prosperity gospel. You are God. Go to your mailbox. You are a God. You are a God. It's being taught. You are, it's being taught that we are gods. It's being taught that we are gods. All this foolishness, this satanic, it's cultic. You're not sick, even though you have a headache and your blood pressure is 299 over 197. You're being told, don't claim that. What do you mean don't claim it? The person has high blood pressure. The person has a headache. The person has stage 2 lymphoma. The person has stage 3 cancer. Don't claim it. If you claim it, you're not a true believer. That's satanic to tell somebody who's sick, don't claim it. That's satanic. It's, sat it's satanic. And you can tell them I said so. They know where to find me. It's satanic to tell somebody who's sick they're not sick. That ain't biblical. Jesus didn't say Lazarus is not dead. <laughs> he said, I'm going to go raise him from the dead. I don't care if he does stink because he's been there four days. Lazarus is dead. Jesus even said to himself, Lazarus is dead. He's dead. But to tell somebody, I remember years ago, I told a woman, and she was a believer, a good friend. I told her I had a headache. She said, don't claim that. What do you mean don't claim it? It feels like there's a jackhammer inside of my head. What do you mean don't claim it? That is a pervasive teaching in the Christian church today. Don't claim it. What do you mean don't claim it? I got a toothache. I need to go to a dentist. I got a cavity. I got a headache. It feels like there's a jackhammer inside my head. Don't claim it. My father had a sore on the bottom of his foot that he, he, he neglected to get taken care of. And when he did get it looked at for his yearly physical for his job, it was cancer. Melanoma. One of the most dangerous cancers you can have. By the time he got it looked at, the cancer had spread to his liver and to his brain. Too late. But don't ever tell anybody, don't claim. What do you mean, don't claim it? Don't claim it. It's satanic. It's, 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 it's of the devil. It comes, from, it comes from New Age occultism, mysticism. It comes from Phineas Quimby. It comes from Mary Baker Eddy and Christian science. It's demonic. It's a doctrine of demons. And it has crept into the Christian church under the name of the prosperity gospel. And you can tell them I said so, and they know where to find me. It's demonic. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Here you have a here you have a malady, an ailment. You got a tumor the size of a lemon. And I'm going to tell you, don't claim that. <laughs> My sister, who's a, a, a nurse, she's a hospice nurse, so she deals a lot with death and dying. But even before she became a hospice nurse, and she's a believer, she would deal with patients, 498 pounds, blood pressure, 362 over 248 and they would tell my sister, I ain't claiming this. What do you mean you're not claiming it? Death is about to claim you. <laughs> it's demonic. It's in the church. It's in Christian churches. It's in full gospel. It's in Baptist churches. It's in word of faith churches. That's why they call it word of faith. It's demonic. People are being deceived by it because they don't know God's word. And they believe in this. 
these formulas from charlatans, seducing spirits, and doctrines of demons. I'm going to read it to you from King James one more time, then I'm going to read it to you from New King James. The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. If, if sickness wasn't real, then, oh my gosh, 50% of Jesus' ministry didn't occur. He went around, the Bible says, healing uh, and doing good and raising the dead, casting out devils. Sickness is real because we live in a fallen earth. Christians get sick. Don't you ever let anybody tell you Christians don't get sick. What do you mean, Christian? We live in a fallen world. I'm 62 years old right now. My body is not in the same shape it was in when I was 22. I'm 62. So what does that mean? It means I'm not a believer. Not a believer. It means I, I live in a moral, the Bible calls it a corruptible body. A body that the Lord Jesus is going to change one day. This mortal shall, shall put on immortality. This corruptible shall put on incorruption. So if your mother died of breast cancer and she was a believer, the Lord is going to raise her. Then and only then she can, she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to claim it because she'll be in a new body, a resurrection body, a glorious body. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Then she doesn't have to claim it because it'll be gone. But when your mother died of breast cancer, if your mother had breast cancer and if she went to one of these charlatans, and that charlatan said, don't you claim that breast cancer. That charlatan was signing her death warrant. Pancreatic cancer, one of the most aggressive, dangerous cancers there is. Over a 90% uh, death rate from pancreatic cancer. Now, if somebody has pancreatic cancer, you're going to tell them, don't claim it. It's demonic. It's satanic. It comes from Christian science. It comes from, it comes from the, 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 the charlatan faith healers. Phineas Quimby and, 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 uh, um, um, and his disciples, uh, Kenyon, E.W. Kenyon. And it's passed down to Kenneth Copeland and the Word of Faith preachers. That's right. It's not of, it's not of, it's not of, it's not of God. That teaching is not of God. That teaching is not of God. It's a seducing spirit. And it's a doctrine of demons. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's the King James. The New King James says almost the same thing. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, instead of seducing, same thing, deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Technically there's only one devil Satan. There are many demons, so that's, that might be why they use that terminology. Doctrines of demons speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. There are some people, including in churches, in pulpits, there are some people, their, their conscience is seared with a hot iron. They, they, it doesn't matter what, their conscience is seared with a hot iron. No matter what you say, they're going to believe the lie. Now I'm going to read to you from Revelation. I'm going to close with this passage from Revelation. If you remember in the book of the Revelation, there were seven churches that the Lord um, sent messages to. I want to talk to you about the, the church of Thyatira. Remember, danger, extreme warning, extreme danger ahead. We must submit our will to the will 
of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of these churches was Thyatira. There were seven churches, right? Ephesus, Pergamos, Sardis, Thyatira, Smyrna, uh, uh, Laodicea, and I'm missing one of them. Let's see. There was Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia. That was the most faithful one. Philadelphia. And, and Laodicea. That was the lukewarm church. So you got seven churches. But listen to Thyatira. Listen to, the, listen to what was going on in this church. Remember now, keep your thumb in 1 Timothy 4 by seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. When Paul said the latter days, he was, he was really talking about the time from the resurrection of Jesus running all the way through the age of grace, which is the age we're in right now. So when, when Paul says in the latter days, he wasn't talking about something that took two or three thousand years to develop. He was really talking about the time that he was in going all, all the way through the age of grace, which is the age that we're in right now. And even into the tribulation, if, you, if you're a pre-trib person like I am, and you believe the church is going to be raptured before the tribulation begins. And the big, the, big, the big deception will be when the Antichrist comes during the tribulation, the abomination of desolation, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that, that's where the big lie, if you read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which I'll, I'll probably get into in one of my later lessons. If you go into 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that's where the big, capital L, big lie, where, 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 where Satan uh, energizes the Antichrist with false miracles, etc., where the Antichrist will be calling fire down from heaven as though he's Elijah. And people are going to say, oh, the Antichrist, Ooh, who's able to make war with... It's, it's the one described in Revelation 13, the, the 666 chapter. That's where the big lie, the big L, capital L, the capital L like the Super Bowl, right? But that one means 50. Yeah, the big L, the lie. Listen to this church in the Revelation, and I want you to listen to how if our will is not submitted to the will of God, how we'll be deceived. Because these people in this church, see, we are what we allow. Whatever you allow, that's what you're going to be. We are what we allow. So to the angel of the church in Thyatira, this is our Lord Jesus speaking here. And Jesus is telling John to send these messages to these seven churches. And he says to the angel or messenger of the church in Thyatira, right? These things says the Son of God, Jesus, who has eyes like a flame of fire. And the fact that Jesus has eyes like a flame of fire, that means nothing escapes him. Glory to God. He has eyes like a flame of fire. What does fire do? It searches. It penetrates. It searches. He has eyes like a flame of fire. There's nothing hidden from the eyes of him with whom we have to do, the Bible says. You can't get away from the Lord. You can get away from me and people and the IRS for a while. <laughs> you can't get away from the Lord Jesus. These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire. His feet are like fine brass. He's coming to judgment. He's coming to judgment. I know your works. This church had a lot of good things going on. Your love, your, your service, your faith, your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. You got a lot of good things going on in this church, Jesus said. You got a lot of good things going on. But the next word is a transition. Nevertheless, glory to God. It's like you bring home, uh, your child brings home a report card. And your child takes six classes. Three A's, 
two B's and an F. <laughs> the F is nevertheless. Oh, good. A's. Oh, chemistry. Oh, language arts. Oh, PE. Oh, B's. Oh, Spanish. Oh, band. F. F. Social studies. <laughs> nevertheless. Jesus says, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. He didn't say you allow that prophetess. He says you allow that woman, Jezebel, she calls herself a prophetess. That lets us know. Number one, her name probably wasn't really Jezebel. That's what's called an allusion back to the Old Testament Jezebel. The, 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 uh, the idolatrous woman who was married to the weak King Ahab. And she introduced idolatry, uh, foreign idolatry, I'll say, uh, Phoenician idolatry, etc., into Israel. She didn't. She wasn't the first one to introduce idolatry. The first one to introduce idolatry would have been Aaron. <laughs> Remember the golden calf in Exodus 32? Yeah. But she introduced foreign idolatry into Israel by marrying the weak King Ahab. So that spirit is now in this church. So he says, Jesus says, you allow that woman Jezebel. She calls herself a prophetess, meaning she's, she's, she's trying to make y'all think that she's speaking. Remember, the prophet goes to the people on behalf of God. The priest goes to God on the behalf of people. So she calls herself a, a prophetess, it's just a female prophet. You allow that woman Jezebel. She calls herself a prophet. See, she got y'all food into thinking she's a prophetess. Jesus said, as we used to say when I was growing up in Buffalo, New York, I peeped your whole car a long time ago. <laughs> Jesus was saying, I, I peeped her whole car a long time ago. I have a few thing against, things against you because you allow. You, did, did you hear that? You allow. We are what we allow. You're allowing this pernicious, seductive, satanic teaching to spread like leaven. And you know a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know that. You're allowing this leaven to spread through the church. This woman, Jezebel, she calls herself a prophetess. You allow her to teach and seduce. Listen to what Jesus says. My servants. See, we belong to Jesus. Seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality. King James will say fornication. And to eat things sacrificed to idols. Ooh, the Lord hates idolatry. He hates all sin. Boy, if you want to get on the Lord's bad side, start worshiping idols. What, was the, what, what were the very first commandments in the Ten Commandments? You have no other gods before me. Glory to the Lamb of God. You allow this woman who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants. He said my servants, so, so they were Christians. My servants to commit sexual immorality, fornication, King James. Fornication is any sex, whether heterosexual or homosexual. That's outside the will of God. Now, there are subcategories, adultery, pedophilia, sex with children, bestiality, sex with animals, things like that. So, so there are subcategories. But fornication is like the general categories. It comes from the Greek word porneia, where we get the word pornography. <laughs> right? You, uh, you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. See, she calls herself a prophetess. Jesus knows. Jesus knows that whether you're, you've got a title, whether you have a calling or just a title. 
She calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Now listen to the love and concern of our, and the grace, the grace, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Listen to the love, the long-suffering, the patience, the grace, the kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even though all that was happening, Jesus said, I gave her time to repent. See that? I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, her fornication, the King James would say. And she did not repent. Remember I talked to you about people whose conscience is seared with a hot iron. Jesus said, I gave her space, even though she was in, 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 in one of my churches wreaking havoc. Seducing my, Jesus said, my servants. So, so she was seducing true believers. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called them my servants. This is, this is in the context of the New Testament. So Jesus said, if Jesus said, excuse me, if Jesus says my servants, then in the, in the context of the New Testament, those are true believers. My servants. And I gave her, uh, probably the Greek word, I don't have a Greek in front of me now, but the Greek word is probably doulos, which means slave. Doulos. Uh, Jezebel calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality, fornication, and eat things sacrificed to idols. That's why the allusion is back to the Jezebel in the Old Testament, same thing. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, just like the Lord is giving you time, and just like he gives me time to repent of any sin that I'm involved in. Because that's his grace. That's his way. Well, he's long-suffering, full of kindness. Not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. She did not repent. I would cast her into a sick bed. Okay, so she's not going to repent, and she wants to put my servants in the bed. I'm going to cast her into a bed, but it's not going to be a bed of pleasure and orgasms. It's not going to be a bed of sexual pleasure and orgasm. It's going to be a sick bed. Jesus said, okay, so she's not going to repent. She not it, it, So if she doesn't repent and her children, those who are following her, remember going back to the Old Testament, Elijah had to confront the um, 850 Baal prophets. Well, about 300 of those were false prophets who ate at Jezebel's table. Jesus is saying right here, I'm going to cast her into a sick bed and those who eat at her table, meaning those who follow her, I'm going to cast you into sick bed. Uh, I, will, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. Now, Dr. Fruchtenbaum says that this is a picture of the, of the apostate church. He, calls it, he, he says it's the Roman Catholic church. He says this is a picture of the apostate church, the non-believing church that will have to go into the great tribulation. He says this is a, a prediction of that. Those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. Now, now Dr. Fruchtenbaum again says, this is a picture of the Roman Catholic Church, the apost an apostate church, a church that's Christian in, in outward appearance only, and that this church will have to go into the great tribulation, you know, deal with the Antichrist, that whole thing. And that's Dr. Fruchtenbaum's take on it. He says, I will cast her into a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. He, he's, he's still, he's still. Listen to that. 
Most of us would have kicked under the curb a long time ago. Jesus said, but I'm going I'm to I'm I'm give him a little bit more time. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he gave you a little bit more time? I'm glad he gave me. I'm glad that when people first came to me about Jesus, I didn't accept it. 